Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. In this edition of the Pigskin Dispatch Podcast, we have a very unique situation that comes up that our friend Timothy P. Brown of FootballArchaeology.com came up with from a 1974 game between Rutgers and Princeton, and something was missing at the end. Tim tells us all about it in just a moment. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of pigskindispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pig Pen, your portal for positive football history. And welcome to another Tuesday where we get to go to footballarchaeology.com's Timothy P. Brown, pick his brain a little bit, talk about one of his recent tidbits. Tim, welcome to the, back to the Pig Pen. Hey, thanks, Darren. Looking forward to talking again and uh, talking about something that goes missing. Yeah, and it's... Uh, we, we've been missing you since last week, but that's not the missing that we're going to oh. be talking about uh, today. No, no. Uh, you're going to talk about a recent tidbit you titled The Case of the Missing Goalpost. It sounds like a, a Sherlock Holmes uh, theater here for footballarchaeology.com. I can get that on my mouth, yeah. right? <laughs> well, I was a Hardy Boys uh, guy as a kid, so uh, oh, yeah, everything was sound- the case of... Yeah, that does sound like a Hardy Boys chest, something like yeah. that. Right. I think Nancy drew too, but I, I wasn't, I wasn't in a Nancy. Um, yeah. So this one, uh, the case of the main goalposts. Um, you know, this goes back to the old uh, I should say, Princeton and Rutgers. You know, they played the first intercollegiate soccer game games in 1869. And note, I did say soccer there, um, but then eventually they started playing football gridiron football and you know i I mean yeah they're they're very close together uh, geographically and so they played you know 60 sometime whatever it was over the years um and princeton you know totally dominated the uh the match or the matchups but starting in the 60s rutgers started winning a lot um and you know then they kind of became the dominant team it's somewhere along the lines in the 60s that um, you know, back then, there were a lot of, um, you know, nowadays, hardly anybody tears down the goalposts anymore because they've, you know, they used to, t- number one, they used to be constructed of private wood, so they're easier to tear down. Um, you know, we didn't have the same level of security at, you know, a lot of those. And the other thing was that um, a little bit later on, when goalposts got torn down, um, there were a couple people that got injured and then they sued the universities and so da 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 da. So any, anyways, people have 
you know, pretty much uh, it's harder to get in. It's easier to get into Fort Knox now than it is to tear down some goalposts. So <laughs> they just made it, you know, nearly impossible to, to tear down a goalpost. But back in the 60s, it was very common, you know, 50s as well. You know, people just tore them down all the time. So, you know, what happened in the in the uh, Princeton and Rutgers series was that, you know, just no matter where the game was being played, the, the winning team, their fans tore down the goalposts. And then there were a couple of, of occasions where they tore them down before the game was over. And that happened in 1974 when um, Rutgers scored scored a touchdown earlier in the game. Uh, they didn't make the extra points, so they were leading 6 nothing, with like three and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. And Princeton gets the ball, and they start driving. They drive all the way down, and with 2.22, well, kind of partly during the time that they're driving, <laughs> the, the Rutgers fans come onto the field and tear down the goalposts at both ends. So now the field doesn't have goalposts. And with 22 seconds left, Princeton scores. And so, you know, they have an opportunity. It's six to six. They've got an opportunity to go for the extra point or the two-point conversion. They want to go for the extra point, but there's no goalpost to kick towards. So, you know, the, the officiating crew gets together, and then they bring the coaches in, and they're having a conversation. And the Princeton AD tells the referee that they've got a, a spare goalpost sitting on the stands and they can have it up in five minutes. Somehow that got lost in the translation and the referee didn't hear that. You know, he, he basically thought they were going to have to be, they, they could start building a new goalpost in five minutes. So they start looking at, uh, should we go over to a practice facility, you know, outside the stadium um, but then the referee didn't want to go there because they were already having control issues. And he's like, you know, I don't even know how far away this practice facility is. So, and then the uh, Princeton volunteered to have their cheerleaders, uh, you know, have the one cheerleader mount and stand out on the shoulders of another cheerleader <laughs> and hold the crossbar, you know, <laughs> in place. Um, and, you know, and then they'd attempt the kick yeah. at the I'm, I'm just an errant kick like the double doink and taking a cheerleader out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a risk risk <laughs> of the profession. Um so so ultimately the uh the ref just no Princeton this is your it's on your home field, you're responsible for game security or you know field security. Uh it doesn't matter who tore the things down. Um, no goalposts, you have to go for two. So Princeton goes for two. They don't make it, so the game ends in a 6-6 tie. But, uh, you know, basically after that, so that game in 74, and in 75, the NCAA had a requirement that uh, facilities had to have a spare set of goalposts available <laughs> that could be put up rapidly in the events that they fell down during the game. Um, but again, you know, it, it was it was this kind of stuff that kind of encouraged the adoption of the, you know, the uh, some people call it the fork of a slingshot style, you know, single post, goal post, um, and then you know, fortified 
with uh, depleted uranium or something. You know, they, they make those things, you know, titanium, whatever it is, you know, <laughs> those things do not come down. <laughs> except, uh, so, except for that uh, Fanville commercial, Dr. Pepper commercial a couple of years ago, where uh, Brian Bosworth is the, the cop and he's looking for the missing goalposts. And one guy has a satellite dish up on it. And the other one's across the street as a swing set. And he can't find <laughs> a, the slingshot goalpost. <laughs> Well, I, I know that a lot of people are fans of the uh, of the Dr. Pepper commercials. I don't count in that group, so <laughs> I, I, I don't remember that commercial. <laughs> uh, I, I just said it because I had the reference of the missing goalpost. That was, that was that's, that's, that's actually pretty funny when you watch it. Kind of clever. Yeah, so, actually, so, some of them are pretty good, but. Yeah, that but that's a, I mean that's just something that sounds so foreign. It sounds like something maybe would happen like 1911, but 1974. This is you know modern era football and yeah. having a goalpost for a major you know two major colleges playing each other. That's that's just crazy. It's unbelievable that you know within yeah. 50 years ago. Yeah, I mean it's you know it's like anything else. You know until something happens. You know, you don't make you don't make the rules or you don't make the investment. It's just easier back then. It was kind of like, well, yeah, the kids are going to tear them down. So let's let's make them cheap <laughs> because they're going to tear them down anyways. You know, and then somebody went the other direction and said, oh, you know, I'm going to build I'm going to build me a fine uh, goalpost. And so that's what we have today. Yeah, the, the next thing you know, we're going to have bands out on the field before the game's over. Oh, wait, that did happen, too. That's, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, boy, oh, Tim, that, that is some great stuff. And uh, we always enjoy your tidbits each and every day uh, for stories just like this. And, uh, you know, learn something new from 50 years ago or 100 and some years ago. And we really appreciate that. And, uh, you know, there's folks out there that would like to get in on the action, too, and uh read your tidbits each and every day. Maybe you could give them some information to share that with them. Sure. Uh, best way to get to the tidbits is go to www.footballarchaeology.com, subscribe. Uh, you can subscribe for free. And then, uh, you know, you'll get an email every day with, with that day's story. Uh, you can also, uh, you know, uh, get the, the Substack app. Um, or follow where, you know, that, that's where uh, football archaeology resides. Uh, you can also follow me on threads or on Twitter, and I post on both of those locations every day. All right. Well, Timothy P. Brown, footballarchaeology.com. We really appreciate you, and we will talk to you again next Tuesday. Very good. Thank you, sir. That's all the football history we have today, folks. Join us back tomorrow for more of your football history. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleat Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, football fans. This is Ross. 
the host of the Pigskin Tales podcast. I just need a few moments of your time to talk about the host of the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, Darren Hayes. He's expanded the pig pen to search out information on the history of all team sports. It's a quest to find out about the competitors, teams, and places chronicled throughout athletic history through the uniforms and gear the participants used and wore. And he is taking you, the listener, with him on this educational journey to preserve sports history on the Sports Jersey Dispatch, found here on the Sports History Network. His newest podcast, called Jersey Dispatch, is all based on the jerseys that all the greats used to wear. You can find Darren Hayes and the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, as well as Jersey Dispatch, on your favorite podcast provider multiple times each week. So remember that, Darren Hayes, the host of the Pigskin Dispatch and Jersey Dispatch podcasts. It's found right here on the Sports History Network.